Welcome, welcome, one and all, to Books and Beer Review, a drinking podcast with a book reading problem. This is our booze-soaked twist on the classic book club, where we, your hosts, take it in turn to report on a recently read piece of literature. We do the legwork so you don't have to. But before we get to any of that, we must review the brew, bicker about the liquor, and wine, wine about the wine. So please sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody, to yet another episode of Books and Beer Review. I'm your host today, Kevin. Uh, with me, as always, are my good buddies, Patrick and Craig. Guys, say hello. 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 All right, let's start off with you today, Patrick. What are you drinking? Well, I'm still drinking uh, Mexico Great again because I have so much of it. Even though we were drinking that on the last episode, you're still drinking it, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to move out of my chair anytime soon, so. Fair enough. Craig, are you drinking anything different? I'm drinking the same thing. Because this this was a bad idea to start off with this. Oh, after the Zwickle. It, it's still be good. Next, because this is the last beer I have. So, And because whiskey makes your baby frisky. No one else listens to country but me. My, That's true. My baby's not, <laughs> not frisky right now because I'm the one that would be drinking it. Well, you're her baby. Um, what song are you talking about? I'm drinking the, Coors Light. The, um, <laughs> nobody cares about that. Coors Light, like that's at least it's different. You, look, the mountains turn colors when it's cold or not. That's great. That's the mark of a good craft beer is whether or not they have a gimmick embedded into the can. Also, there's glasses on it for some I think reason. That mine's Wickle is fancier than that. Of course, there's Wickle's fancier than that. First of all, it's got a Z in the title. Yeah, automatically like ten fancy points, and also, I like the can also. But is your beer as cold as the Rockies? I don't know. It doesn't have a mountain to tell me. Yeah, my mountain tells me, tells me this is as cold as, and it's a limited edition summer twenty twenty. The what will surely be the worst year on record. Yeah. Having been the in the Rockies, they're not so always cold. Tell us about. Wait, hold it's on. probably just as good as your Coolers Light beer. What did you say, Seamus? I said, having been in the Rockies, they're not always cold. Yeah, that's true. I've been there several times. Although, if you go up to the top of them, it's pretty universally uh, cold. Anyway, the book, Craig, that I'm avoiding talking about, you're avoiding talk- <laughs> despite the object of this podcast, is uh, what is considered by some to be the best book by one of the world's most celebrated authors, <laughs> which I hate. Uh, makes this very odd. This is just a very uncomfortable review. So anyway, what I read was our, uh, The Sun Also Rises by the late, great Ernest Hemingway. And uh, you may recall, Craig, on the last one I did, uh, Ayn Rand's The Fountainhead, because it's the favorite author of my father-in-law. You erroneously mischaracterized as my father. This week, I did a book by my father's favorite author, Ernest Hemingway. And I literally Googled, what is Ernest Hemingway's best book? It, I got about three answers. I got For Whom the Bell Tolls, The Sun Also Rises, and Old Man of the Sea. Now, Old Man of the Sea would be the logical place to start. because That's what I thought, actually. What's well, the one he where he won the Nobel Prize Yeah, um, for literature. But I've read that twice now. I wasn't going to read it again. Even though it's only like 110 pages, it's a very short book. I just didn't feel like reading that book about a man trying to catch a swordfish. Excuse me, a marlin like the 30th time so i decided to do something new 
And so I had a choice between For Whom the Bell Tolls or The Sun Also Rises. And I picked The Sun Also Rises because it was shorter. And I thought, if this book sucks, <laughs> at least I won't have to suffer that long. <laughs> and at least in that one regard, I made the correct decision. Because boy, howdy, was this, this book was hard to get through. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, tell us about it. Right. So the main character is a dude named Jake. And this, okay, this takes place in like the 1920s in Europe, primarily in Paris, France, and all throughout Spain. Okay. Jake is a veteran of the First World War, as are most of his friends. Um, and for the life of me, I don't know how he makes his money. Supposedly, he's a journalist for the Toronto Star, but throughout the entire book, he never writes a single word down. You know what he does do throughout <laughs> the entire book? He does stumbles... He Complain, yes. complains yes. about how he doesn't have money ding ding Seamus gets it no he has plenty of money somehow he inexplicably has just infinite money he just he's got like a military pension or something something um he just stumbles from cafe to bar to public house with his friends and they just sit around and drink and maybe I'm he reviews this. cafes what the toronto star maybe <laughs> Again, though, he never does a lick of work throughout the entire novel. Yeah, who, who wants this... to write pages about somebody writing pages, though? Do what? Who wants to write pages about somebody writing pages, though? You don't have to describe him doing his work. Fair enough. He does it off screen. Yeah, I, okay. okay that, I guess that's a good point, but there could be some lip service paid to it. Honestly, if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't know what he did for a living. A lot of what I'm going to tell you about the book, this says everything you need about the book, I got from reading Spark Notes after I read the whole book. And I'm reading. So you weren't paying attention while you were reading. I was so trying. that's really what it was. was about. Yeah, oh. I seriously was. I was reading this. I'm like, I don't remember. It. Like, it's like, and there's this detail here. And some of the themes running throughout this book. And I'm just sitting here like, I didn't get any of this. For all I can, this is just a meandering, rambling story about a guy and his friends getting drunk in various places. And it gaslit me, right? Because like I said, this is like one of the world's most celebrated authors. Maybe the best American author. It's like him or like Mark Twain, right? Those are like the guys, you know, we talked about F. Scott Fitzgerald. That was a contemporary of Hemingway's. And this is widely considered to be one of his best books. And here I am just like, this book sucks. Maybe you just weren't paying attention enough. I need to read it again. um, My dad actually said that to me. He said some of Hemingway's books you need to read twice. And I said, that is the literary equivalent of like, wait till the second season, then it gets good. No, I'm sorry. If you can't get me by the first read through, you failed as an author. I'd agree with that, actually. And so, so his book was about our podcast. Like, What's up? His book was about our podcast. Yeah, if his book was, it would have been much better. I think we are much <laughs> more interested now. Okay, so what the story is about, I think. So the, the theme of it is it's all about World War I, even though none of it takes place during World War I. They barely even mention World War I. But the whole thing is that World War I shattered traditional ideas about masculinity, about honor. It really just stripped away the romanticism of the world. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all these people, almost all of whom served in some capacity in World War I, and they just it's like they're nihilists it's like they don't really believe in anything they don't have any goals in life because they just it's like nothing's worthwhile our the main character apparently this was alluded to several times it just went over my head is was rendered impotent by a war injury and so there's this woman throughout the book 
who is like his perfect match. Like they actually do love each other, but she will not commit to him because she can't have sex with him. Hmm. And so throughout, (laughs) I'm trying not to be a misogynist here, but throughout this book, this woman is just like a harlot, just, just going from one bed to, she basically sleeps with every other male character in the book. And to what end, I don't know. So you don't need a reason. Yeah. What you want to do, Sex man. is great, I guess. <laughs> so the whole thing is just like after the war, it's like everything people thought about how traditional senses of morals and honor, all that kind of went out the window with the first modern war, which is World War One. So there's one character who represents a foil to that. His name is Cone. And he's an outsider from the rest of the group for two reasons. One, he's the only non-veteran. The other one's that he's Jewish. And this is at a time where, like, anti-Semitism is just, you know, go for it. You know, if you want to be anti-Semitic, be anti-Semitic. So how does he become a part of the group then? He's a fellow writer. Okay. Um, and he's friends. He's friends with the main character. But And this is another one of the things, like, I didn't see in the book, but I had to read in the Spark Notes, was, like, apparently the main character doesn't treat him very well. Like he will often like single him out and pick on him. I saw that with from other characters. And I think a lot of that is because, because Cone is not a war veteran because he didn't serve in world war one. He didn't have like these illusions of honor and chivalry and romanticism shattered by the grim realities of modern war. He still holds on to them. Okay. Like he and everyone else. So he's kind of like this naive child to everyone else, everyone else. They spend all their entire time just like, Oh, we drank all the wine here. Uh, you want to go fishing in Pamplona? Okay, I'm going to get train tickets somehow. Not, it's like they go down to Pamplona to watch the bullfights. And there's, I think there's supposed to be some symbolism there because there's like castrated steers and it's supposed to be an allegory for Jake or whatever. And then, honestly, I wish I had more to say about this book, but it's just like weird conversations that I went over my head or had no purpose to begin with. And then a lot of drinking. And then at one point they meet one of the bullfighters and this is like a bullfighting prodigy named Pedro Romero. And Brett, who is the only female in this Does group. Does you reading this make you want to drink while you're reading it? Kind of a little bit. Okay. I was just curious. Well, I'm thinking like maybe if I get in the mind. That's actually what happens to me whenever I'm like, like if you're, you know, reading something like Undying Mercenaries and James McGill's talks about getting a beer. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, beer sounds good. And James, like, how are they? And I just hate you. <laughs> yeah, we got to do it once in an episode. I forgot, yeah, we did. I think that was already twice in this one episode. Or maybe uh, the I think last. it's just the oh, first okay. for this episode. Don't worry, I'll pull it back in. But no, it's it, it just like, okay, so Brett, who is the only female character, but inexplicably has a man's name. Um, and she's the one that just seems, she sleeps with like every character except for Jake, because Jake is again impotent and can't have sex. They never really explain. I kind of wanted to look it up. I'm like, is there a wound you could get that would make your dick not work? Well, maybe he just doesn't have one at all anymore. He got blown off by a grenade. I guess, yes. Like a mustard gas up the urethra or something. That's probably it. It's a dejection by the Jerry's. Anyway. um, She carries on this relationship very briefly with Pedro Romero and just like, and she breaks it off literally because she's like, I don't want to ruin him because he's infatuated with me. And so she's jumping. And, and by the way, at the beginning of this book, she's engaged to one guy. And then within the span of the book has an affair with Cone and then sleeps with another guy, like 
not in front of Cone, but like definitely like makes goo goo eyes and walks off with him in front of Cone. And Cone, because he's this traditionalist, like has to challenge this other guy to a fight. And he beats the living crap out of Pedro Romero. And the guy has to do like a bullfight the next day, all bruised up. And Cone just feels like an asshole the next day and leaves the story. And like this all <sighs> ends with like Jake just pisses off to San Sebastian, Spain. It's like, I'm just going to go hang out there for a bit, swim. And then he gets a telegram because it's the fucking 1920s. No one gets a phone call. You get a telegram from Brett saying like, could you come to Madrid? I'm in a bit of a, a trouble. And like, a, like a jackass, he gets on the next train and goes to Madrid to bail her out. And the book literally ends with them getting in a cab together and her just being like, you know, I do wish we could have gotten together, Jake. It probably would have been fun. And he's just like, yep. I'm not even joking. That's basically how the book ends. How could this not be one of the greatest books ever written? It boggles the mind. Cause again, like I, all those people and all those great literary minds can't be wrong. Ernest Hemingway must be one of the best writers ever. And this is why they consider to be one of his best books. But I'm reading it like this is schlock. This is dumbass shit that doesn't go anywhere. Uh, I'm telling you, this is the same thing that whenever I was talking to you guys about Benson Van Gogh, Benson Van Gogh was born today. He wouldn't even be like a, you know, a third well, he was nobody artist. within his own lifetime. Yeah, so, it wasn't until after he was dead that anyone thought his work was any good. Yeah, so I think it's the that, tragedy of his life. Yeah, I think that it's hard for us to. Hemingway was now. well regarded in his lifetime, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think like you were saying is like, I think that sometimes you get some readers that they want what they're reading to have so many layers of meaning, like they want to be able to talk about it and be like uncover and discover. Yeah, different things. And um, well, if there are those layers of meaning, they're so deeply buried under bullshit. From where, from my perspective, <laughs> that like you either need to read the book several times, which is what my father suggested. That I it's like some of those books you need to read twice. I'm like, fuck you, I'm not reading that twice. <laughs> or you need to like have someone tell you what it's about. And I feel like if someone had like, it's like someone's just like making shit. It's up. Like someone has to explain a joke to you. It's just not as great, right? Maybe I'll read this book and give my opinion on it sometime. I, I will say this. <laughs> Is that way you'd be like, I'm so much smarter than Kevin. I totally yeah. got all of yeah. this. Yes, well, I, I got it does all give you of the metaphors. Complex if you get to the end of this book and you're like, I didn't like that at all. Am I not smart? Like, do I just not get the genius of Hemingway? I've read different excerpts of Ernest Hemingway and I decided a long time ago I knew I wouldn't like his books. So, so. Hemingway has a famous style of writing, which is very simple and very descriptive. Mm-hmm. And that's really great for setting, like painting a picture of like what, like you can, I will give this to him. You can totally imagine everything that you're hearing in your head. Yeah. Like, like you, you know the pattern it. and the color of the curtains. Yes. Well, it's not even, it's not even about the level of detail. It's just like the way he describes stuff, you can totally see it. Yeah. Even if you've never been there, like I've never been to Pamplona, Spain, but I can totally imagine what he's talking about. But the problem with that style of writing is it gets really fucking boring exceedingly boring after a while well we're used to also more action-oriented books yeah. and stuff so here's my conundrum as you know as you share you and i are both big fans of undying mercenaries but i will admit that is just like pulp garbage you know what I mean? like nothing against bv larson he writes great books but like that's not gonna well, be they're like, they're action books like it's like if you watch a shoot 'em up movie you don't watch it because it's gonna win an yeah. oscar you watch it because it's fun it's a dime store novel it's like the equivalent of like popcorn movie you know it's like watching it's like watching transformers or something for the spectacle although i would definitely sound dying mercenaries is better than any transformers movie anyway 
I'm sitting here having this freaking like crisis of conscience because I'm like, how could I like that so much more than what is widely considered to be like one of the best books by one of the best authors? Because none of us are literary geniuses. Right. Or it made me question whether or not I should even be doing this podcast. I'm like, who the hell am I so to sit here on recording? crisis check. Yeah. Who the hell am I to say Maybe on record? Maybe that's the whole purpose of this book. Is it's to self-discovery. It's, it's just one big freaking troll by Ernest Hemingway. He's like, <laughs> well, that's the thing too. This was like one of, it's not, maybe it's not his first, but it's like his first big novel. This is one of his early works. So he wasn't famous where he could just like, I'm going to write some shit and everyone's going to say it's great because I'm Ernest fucking Hemingway. No, like this was before he was Ernest fucking Hemingway. He was just Ernie Hemingway. Okay. What, what are you rating? <sighs> Three. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm not proud of that because I, I almost feel like it says more about me than it does about the book. <laughs> and, and listen, <laughs> like, <laughs> if you love Hemingway, more power to you, man. Like, you see something I don't. I just, I mean, I liked Old Man the Seal, right? This, though, I just struggled to find the point of it all. It just seemed like a lot of, it's like if somebody watched a bunch of drunks in a bar and then novelized it. That's what I took away from this. It's pointless conversations from drunk people. Okay. So who who would like this book? People who are drunk. (laughs) I don't know. Um, People who are going to get a literary degree or. I suppose if you have a particular fascination with that period of time, here's here's another thing about, it's it's all about the lost generation. This is the generation that served in world war one. And a lot of these people expatriate, they just stayed in Europe and never came back to the United States because they lost all hope or whatever. And they just, whatever for the rest of their life i feel like if you're probably interested in exploring that condition or that period of history and again nary a mention of the war like the war is only ever mentioned in passing if you're looking for a war novel this is not that um if you're interested though in exploring that sort of thematic hopelessness and it's such a roundabout way because no one ever sits there like i'm sad and don't say that because seamus is going to read this book it does it feels like a book Seamus would read. Oh, what it what it made me think of when you're describing it is that movie uh Lost in Translation. I haven't well, seen where uh Bill Murray um But at least you can look at He Scarlett goes over Johansson to Japan and he's like just gets drunk all the time and he's doing commercials for like a whiskey or something. And then hey, there's Scarlett Johansson. Let's just keep drinking. Yeah. See that movie uh, without fantasies that we can Bill never Murray and find piece of ass Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> I'm sure she has other talents. This has none of that. This is, oh, I, okay. I do want to say this because of course I read this or I listened to this book on audiobook. The narrator kind of sounds like Jeff Bridges and it's great. Great, know, great narrator. He's a Obadiah Stain and Iron Man. He's the big Lebowski. Oh, okay. he, he's the dude. Yeah. He's the dude. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So three out of 10. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ernest Hemingway's ghost. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry for a lot of reasons. I'm you're, sorry you're definitely haunted now. But I'm sorry I don't like your book either. I've never seen this take such a big hit on your ego rating a book like that. Well, because you know, you know what it is. Here's a little behind the curtains here. I decided to read this book because, again, my father is such a big Ernest Hemingway fan. I thought this would be a great way to get him to watch or listen to the show. And now I don't want to tell him that this exists because just, he's just going to hear me shitting on his hero for like 30 minutes. Hemingway's going to stop haunting the CIA and he's going to start haunting you. Ernest Hemingway? Yeah. One can only hope. <laughs> but anyway, 
That is The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway. Will I ever read For Whom the Bell Tolls? I don't know. If I get in sort of like a self-hating funk and I want to hurt myself, maybe. <laughs> All right. Check it out. Well, well, <laughs> Classic you, literature. Well, there you have it. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Books and Beer Review. Um, hey, if you guys disagree with Kevin, go ahead and shoot him an email. No, please don't. <laughs> I'm going to have so many people who are Books smarter than you. at gmail.com. <laughs> There's going to be so many lit majors coming after me. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. We hope that you found it enjoyable. If you have any books of your own that you feel like would be great for us to read and to review on the podcast, or if you have any comments about any of the books that we've reviewed, please email us at booksandbeerreview at gmail.com, or you can visit our website to listen to more episodes of different books that we've reviewed at booksandbeerreview.podbean.com. Until next time, happy reading.